I don't want to be a martyr. Nor I. I want to live. That is good. For believing what you do, we confer upon you a rare gift these days. A martyr's death. The cross commands you. The blood of the martyrs commands you. I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. All right, let's have some fun. If my computer makes weird noises, I apologize. It's installing some weird update in the background, and I'm not going to sit around and wait for it because I'm not going to take that sort of thing. <laughs> that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Now, today we are going to have some fun. Today we are fully entrenched in Marian England. So remember your history of England. I know we've done this a bunch, but it's worth doing again. Henry VIII is a Catholic royalist who becomes a Protestant royalist, which means he is more concerned with the monarchy than he is with religion. I mean, if you really get down to it, he basically brings Protestantism into England just simply so he can get what he wants. Edward VI is a Protestant first and a king second. Mary is a Catholic first and a queen second, and her successor, Elizabeth, will be a Protestant royalist, much more in line of Henry than either Edward or Mary. Now, since we have a Catholic first and a monarch of England second, we have Catholicism on the rise. We also have a, a good little bit of hypocrisy on the rise as well, as you'll see some of the bishops, if you ever dive into this yourselves, you will see some of the bishops and priests and various local officials kind of waffling back and forth with the weather, depending on who's in charge. And remember, this is part of the problem with England. They are holding to the divine right of kings, and in this case, queens as well, meaning that it is God who has given you this ruler, therefore sit down, shut up, and do what you're told. <clears throat> if that means we're killing the Protestants today, sweet. To next week when we have someone else to kill, we'll kill that guy instead. I mentioned that Mary is a Catholic first and a monarch of England second. That is because she has, one, she's a legitimate heir to the English throne, but two, she has, by her Catholicism, legitimate connections to the continent. And there is real worry and fear during this time period that England is going to be lost to the Holy Roman Empire. And that is actually one of the things that is being attempted by the Marian persecutions is the bringing in of England into the back well back into Christendom and Christendom was always understood to be a Roman Catholic system that's why some of the martyrs are as famous as they are during the Marian times simply because she wasn't going after low level people she was going after the leadership the instructors the the people who could build the next generation. That brings us to Roland Taylor. Now, Roland Taylor is trained as a lawyer. He receives both a bachelor's degree and a doctorate degree in law from the University of Cambridge. And keep in mind, that's not really that unusual in the Middle Ages. There there was not an understanding of the liberal arts education that we have today. So... <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice got stuck there. So we think of college as you go off and you'll get a degree in English, or you'll get a degree in math, or I want to go study the law, or I want to study medicine. Studying law was almost like a precursor to pretty much everything. 
because it taught you logic. It taught you how to think. We don't need an English degree. I have a law degree. In order to write and read the law, I have to know English, and I have to know Latin, and I have to be able to read the Greek classics. I have to do all of this. So you got a humanist education, which is what our modern liberal arts education is based upon by actually studying something useful, <laughs> studying something that would actually make a difference. You would be expected to take your law degree and go into teaching or tutoring for the next generation or to go into government administrative work or something along those lines. <clears throat> you would then take that education and you would then study anatomy to become a doctor or something along those lines. So this was this was how education was done. So Roland Taylor is now Dr. Taylor, and he is a lawyer. Now, you want to talk about somebody who just runs in some circles. He is a chaplain to Hugh Latimer and Thomas Cranmer. Again, if you know your English martyrs, you know those names quite well. It is actually Cranmer who ordains Roland Taylor and licenses him to preach. Remember, even during Henry's time, you could not be a priest, you could not be a church official, but you could be licensed to preach, and you could legally go around and teach and be installed in churches and be part of discipling the next generation and in the building up and strengthening of churches. So Cranmer licenses Roland and sends him out to work. He becomes an English rector. Now, this is an interesting thing. The English systems are so bizarre because they're borrowing from Roman Catholic systems, which are so ornate in and of themselves. So a rector is a cleric, not a priest, but a cleric who is in charge of an area. He can appoint a vicar who is supposed to function vicariously through the rector, but it is the rector who is ultimately in charge. So you're already seeing at this point the Protestantism, and this would be in the 1530s, 1540s, you're seeing the Protestantism of England begin to move away from the Roman Catholic terminology because they have different understandings. Later on, he becomes a chancellor, that's an administrative official, of Nicholas Ridley. Again, if you know your English martyrs, uh, Latimer, Ridley, Cranmer. That's, that's like if you're going to do the Mount Rushmore of English martyrs, those three are on it. We're just arguing about the other place. So this, are, this is the circle he runs in. He is one of the preachers at Canterbury Cathedral. There were only six of them. Uh, Canterbury Cathedral is kind of a big deal. It is still to this day part of the Registry of Historic Places. It is one of the largest cathedrals in England. It is one of the most important cathedrals in England. To be one of the few people who gets to preach and teach there is a recognition that you are someone that we should be listening to, someone who rightly divides the word, and you are quite important. Now, in the midst of all of that going on, Mary ascends to the throne. <clears throat> Six days later, Roland Taylor is arrested. Again, he is kind of a big deal, and she goes after that group of people first. He is examined by the now-in-power Roman Catholic bishops. He is accused of heresy. Would you like to know the heresies he's accused of? Of course you would. He denies priestly celibacy because the priests aren't married to the church. Clergy are supposed to be servants of God who function in the world in which they live. He denied transubstantiation because, again, to deny this is a big deal for the Catholic bishops because to deny transubstantiation is to deny pretty much all the actual power of the Roman Catholic Church. We talked about that. And he called the Mass idolatrous, which I would agree with him. The Mass is idolatrous because you have a priest 
claiming to re-offer Christ upon the altar for the sins of the people who are assembled. If that's not idolatry by making yourself God and standing in his place, then I'm not really sure what is. So, long story short, Roland Taylor is convicted. He is brought to execution, and apparently they drafted a local butcher to light the fire, and the butcher refused. (laughs) And there's apparently some sort of argument or discussion about whether or not anybody present would actually light the the light the candle so to speak and that's simply because again he's famous he's beloved in england has been protestant at this point for two decades that's enough time for people to recognize that we kind of like not having to deal with the papacy we like not having european entanglements in such shape form or fashions so Apparently, an anonymous onlooker eventually just throws a light onto a torch onto the fire so that it will start, or onto the stick so that it will start to burn, simply because somebody was going to do it eventually. He was not getting out of here. But Roland Taylor is unique amongst those who are burned by Mary because he does not die by the flames. A sympathetic guard by the name of Warwick actually strikes Taylor in the back of the head with his halberd. I'll let you Google what those look like. They're those little spiky, axe-looking things. I say little. They're like six feet tall. (laughs) And that kills him instantly. And he is then burned. His body is then burned by the flames. And again, Warwick wasn't doing this out of cruelty. He was doing this out of mercy. Rather than sit there and suffer, the death is done quickly. We actually have a recording of Roland Taylor's final words to his family, his wife and his children, before he is brought to the platform for execution. I say to my wife and to my children, The Lord gave you unto me, and the Lord hath taken me from you, and you from me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe that they are blessed which die in the Lord God. I'm sorry, but I believe they are blessed which die in the Lord. God careth for sparrows and for the hairs of our heads. I have ever found him more faithful and favorable than is any father or husband. Trust ye therefore in him by the means of our dear Savior Christ's merits. Believe, love, fear, and obey him. Pray to him, for he hath promised to help. Count me not dead, for I shall certainly live and never die. I go before, and you shall follow after to our long home. Amen and amen. Remember, Christian, the strength of Christ, the strength of the work of the Spirit, is a strength that brings his people home in peace and calm and security because that is what he has promised, and he gives you that strength when it is needed and not a moment before. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.